You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. What is there to talk about, about this team? You asked us on the post-trade deadline show... If we thought the Jordan Montgomery trade was going to mess up their chemistry, we said absolutely yes. They lost on Tuesday. They lost on Wednesday. They got swept over the weekend. They've lost five games in a row. The teams they've lost to, one of those games, Luis Castillo beat them. We wanted him. We didn't get him. He beat us. One of those games, Jordan Montgomery beat us. Five innings, five shutout innings. One of those games, it didn't matter who faced us because we had Frankie Montas who was the worst pitcher on the field other than Garrett Cole over the course of those five games. You want to give him a break because of the circumstances of the past 10 days? I'm actually happy to do that. I don't think he'll be that bad ever again. But did it look good? Did it reflect well upon Brian Cashman's investment? Not really. Meanwhile, every time Andrew Benintendi gets a hit, the Yankees dugout salutes him like he is a child in a charity event, putting bat on ball for the first time. Scott F. Ross broke the door open in Sunday's loss. Oh, by the way, Clay Holmes blew another save. Lou Trevino might be the Yankees' best deadline acquisition, and he walked in the ninth run of Sunday's 12-run debacle. The Yankees demoted their best bullpen arm over this five-day span, by the way. And potentially their second or third best bullpen arm is also at AAA, learning how to be a starter. Somehow Domingo Herman isn't even the biggest problem with the big league rotation or even in the top 10 roster issues at the moment. He was okay on Saturday. What fresh hell is this where I'm like looking at the scoreboard being like, you know what actually wasn't really that much of a problem with starting Domingo Herman. I hate it. The Yankees are free falling. They're nine and a half games up on the division, which is fine in a vacuum but it's like watching a rotting corpse try to maintain a nine and a half game lead. What's like, what's we're playing a game called what's the biggest lead you can give to the 2008 Yankees and have them keep hold on it. This is not the roster we started the season with. They have not gotten a single break in a week. And Sunday was the breaking point for many of us. And Oh, by the way, the home plate umpire gave the St. Louis Cardinals three full runs in a three run game. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer it, but less happy than we probably were earlier in the week to answer it. I don't really want to read your mailbag questions. I definitely don't want to hear about the curse of Joey Gallo. 
the Dodgers are undefeated since we traded Joey Gallo to LA and the Yankees have no wins. Although Joey Gallo is 0 for 10 with six strikeouts and two singles, one of which came off a position player. Shut the fuck up. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Uh, this was the worst week of Yankees baseball this season. I mean, of course it was, though, because the team was 49 and 16, 52 and 18, 61 and 23, now down to 70 and 39, which when you've been as high as they were, that's downright pedestrian. They're now going to Seattle and then to Boston. Coming home, facing Tampa, Toronto, and the Mets again. Good luck with all that. If they can get this shit out of their system before that 12-game stretch or whatever it is, I'll be fine with it. I think it's three against the Sox, three against the Rays, four against the Jays, two against the Mets. Um, You got this last uh, road series against the Mariners. Yankees historically do well in Seattle. It's always kind of a little... It's always kind of a little bounce back road trip whenever they're going over there. So um, I'm not going to sit here and be all doom and gloom. Um, sadly, I'm also not going to be overly optimistic. I don't know what there is to be optimistic about. Um, my One of my favorite memes is the offense, the starting pitching, or uh, the run support, the starting pitching, and the bullpenning. You just keep clicking one of them, and the other the other one just keeps getting X'd out. Um, my problem with the Yankees... I have many problems with the Yankees. My number one problem with the Yankees is the manner in which this team is constructed. Um, Because if one or two puzzle pieces go missing, then the Yankees do what they're doing right now. They're under 500 since middle of June, um, which quite frankly is unacceptable. They haven't had the hardest schedule in the world. They've had some disadvantages in there that we've talked about at length. The, you know, the, the, uh, the one game in Houston at the end of June and then the double header in Houston right out of the all-star break where they didn't get that extra day off. Um, tough stuff. Not the easiest opponents either, but also wasn't really a gauntlet. You, you know, the Mariner, you should be able to beat the Mariners at home, the Cardinals solid team, but you score nine runs in one of those games. You got to win that you score zero in the other one, which is crazy. They didn't, they didn't boast anybody. Um, they didn't boast any aces in that game. I don't know what was going on there. I know the Cardinals played phenomenal defense. Fucking Lars Newtbar making plays out of his ass every other mm-hmm. every other inning. Nolan Arenado's a goal glove third baseman. What are you going to do? Um, so some bad luck for the Yankees as well. However, you look at the vibes. This team has no vibes. Again, the vibe check is frequently bad when when times are like this. Um, it's more of the confused post game media. Um, it's more of beat writers having to answer angry fans questions and pretty much say, but I don't really know. I don't make the team decision. So I'm not sure. Um, go look at Sweeney Murdy and Brian Hoke. They're answering a ton of fan questions with, you know, they can't, they, what are the details to give you? I don't know. Why did they option Ron Marinaccio? We actually don't know. Um, sorry. We can't answer that for you. Um, but you go back to trading Jordan Montgomery at the deadline buzzer. Um, and that I think threw the vibes off this team. You lose Giancarlo Stanton. The offense hasn't been the same since he's been out. That's I know the offense still has been good, but it still has not been the same. We know. Um, we know. We know. Don't get shut out one nothing by Jordan Montgomery in the middle part of the Cardinals bullpen on Saturday. Yeah. If you don't want me eyeing the offense. Crazy. Like, I know. I, I know. But don't do that. Yeah. And then one they lose a bullpen piece in Michael King. And look, these guys are invaluable. Giancarlo Stanton and Michael King. There's no replacing either of them. But to have no... There's no clear solution with what the Yankees are doing with their lineup. They're bouncing Ben and Tendi back and forth. 
who, you know, I didn't really want at the deadline anyway. I didn't think that that was the right acquisition. Um, and the, I, I still don't know what the bullpen plan is without Michael King. I don't know if somebody else can explain that to me. There doesn't seem to be anything in place to make up for his loss. Nobody is even going to come close to taking that role. They didn't add enough arms to fortify the bullpen to ensure that someone would be able to, maybe two people would absorb that role because he was a multi-inning guy and he was an ace at that. Um, so once they, and, and look, they had ample time to figure this out. Stanton's been out for a little while now. Michael King's injury happened over a week before the trade deadline. There was time to make the proper adjustments and find the proper solutions. And right now we could get, cold taked at the end of the season sure we absolutely could that'd be great that'd be cool um that that would be advantageous but right now you look at the fans complaints with the trade the trade deadline the the jordan montgomery Montgomery trade the other acquisitions simply not being enough um and you see a narrative here and then you see the direct result yankees lose five in a row their ace can't their their ace it becomes the number five pitcher for the weekend um, mm-hmm. Their number one trade acquisition is on a 70 inning, uh, 70 pitch count because uh, he was on the bravement list. So that's his debut on a pitch limit, having to deal with that pressure. Obviously, he got squeezed by the ump and we will talk about that in a little while. But again, not an excuse, not really the not really an excuse to lose five in a row, not really an excuse to come out like this. Aaron Judge carrying the team someone's off every single day, whether it's the offense putting up zero, whether it's the starting rotation absolutely blowing up, whether it's the bullpen blowing multiple leads. Um, And to me, all that tells me is that, one, this is part of baseball. Teams go in and out of this shit. You get mired in a crazy slump. People don't know what they're doing. Nothing works, and you just have to recalibrate. Two, you, you have that compounded with there actually not being many solutions, which I think is the problem with the Yankees because we watched 2020 unfold. We watched 2021 unfold. I know all of those had their separate issues, but it all comes down to the Yankees thinking that, you know, or the Yankees having this plan in place where the pieces that they have are the pieces that need to work and there's no mix and match or substitutions available. It's okay. Well, if these guys get injured, then looks like we're kind of shit out of luck. And that's what it feels like. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you look at a team like the Astros, they didn't have Verlander in 2020 or 2021. They made the ALCS and they made um, the World Series. They didn't, have, they didn't have Lance McCullers this year. They're a half game behind the Yankees. That's a very valuable player. That's akin to the Yankees not having Nestor Cortez this year. What would happen if the Yankees didn't have Nestor Cortez this year? What if the Yankees didn't have Garrett Cole last year? I mean, we saw what happened when they had a bad Garrett Cole last year and how far that set them back. Imagine if they didn't have Garrett Cole at all. What were they? They might not have made the playoffs. So you look at a team like the Astros, which is where a lot of the frustration is derived from. And why are they able to absorb a half season without Michael Brantley and still have 70 wins? How come the Yankees can get off to this roaring start when they're fully healthy and then get a couple of injuries and now are completely derailed in an under 500 team? That, those, that's, that's the answer I want. I don't know how you're feeling about it, but that, that's what I need to know. You're right. Everybody else, you're right. Michael Brantley's out, right? Everybody else deals with this stuff. The, the Yankees are getting otherworldly performances from Aaron Judge right now. Yeah. And, and all year long, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it didn't just start, but Aaron Judge has been at his very best over the past 20 games. The Yankees are 8 and 12 in those games. Since the break, 6 and 11, 23rd best in baseball. They've scored the seventh most runs per game. The starters of the area is the 27th best in Major League Baseball. 
5.67. They've allowed 21 homers tied for the 24th best. Opponent OPS, 733. The 21st best in baseball. Everybody's hitting them. Doesn't matter who's pitching, everybody's hitting them. Uh, I think it's fair to say a lot of people are saying, you know, there's this 500 stretch. Ooh, we got this, you know, ooh, they've been a 500 team since the middle of June. No, no. They've been a 9-16 and 16 team since the middle of July. Right? I don't really care about when they were 12-7 and seven before that. And to think we were all complaining when they were 12-7 and seven against the Rays and the Pirates and the first two games of that Red Sox series. Right? Like, we were all complaining when it was like, wait, they don't score first anymore. What happened? Uh, remember when they used to, you know, take leads? Now they're coming from behind every day. They're going to Cleveland. They're down 2 nothing in the first. Garrett Cole giving to homers. This is as bad it's going to get. The fact that we don't, you know, put the foot on the gas pedal anymore. No, no. They're 21-23 and 23 since the middle of June, since that awful game in Toronto. And that's bad enough. But what you should be focusing on is the fact that they are 9-16 and 16 since the Fenway Park blown game. Uh, the the extra inning loss and, and the judge stats. Thanks to Brian Hoke, Aaron Judge has 13 homers and 32 RBI in his last 20 games. A 5.11 OBP, a 9.61 slugging, a 5.11 OBP. Judge is getting on base over half the time he comes to bat, and the Yankees cannot take advantage of that. If they score these days, it's because of Aaron Judge. You can't. That's not how you build a baseball team. Aaron Judge is your MVP for a million reasons. You know who else is building a pretty good MVP case? Giancarlo Stanton. Because yeah. the Yankees were a record-setting team with Stanton in the lineup and have been nothing of the sort since then. You want to tell me if I'm pressing the panic button or not. I'm not I'm not saying they're going to blow the division lead. I'm not saying they're not going to make the playoffs. It just depends on what your panic button is. Is your panic button, ha- you know, having the confidence to beat the Astros and the Mets and the and the Blue Jays and the Dodgers in October? Because if in that, I'm pressing that panic button. What have they yeah. shown me in a month and a half that proves they could beat those teams in a short series? And and what are you even trying to measure up with? The Mets have Degrom and Scherzer. What do you have? You, you Garrett Cole is pitching like a three. Like I, I hate to. Obviously, this is whiny fuel. But just looking at it rationally, like the, the Yankees getting out to an insane start quenched these flames. And so whenever anybody said, you know, yeah, how do they match up with XYZ in the playoffs? It was like, they never lose. So what do you want from me? Yeah. <laughs> they, have the best, they have the best offense and the rotation is performing better than anybody else's rotation. And the bullpen is performing better than anybody else's bullpen. So what do you want from me? I know the names don't match up. But the stats indicate that the Yankees had dominated in every facet of the game in April, May, and June. So if you wanted to tell me, ooh, Max Scherzer, that's a tough postseason matchup, I know. But the Yankees legitimately owned every metric advantage the first three months of the season. Now that they don't and they're slipping and like I just read off, they've allowed, you know, in the bottom 20s in terms of home runs allowed and starter ERA, etc., the offense is, you know, it'll still worry you from time to time. You'll watch judge chasing sliders away against Scherzer and you'll go oh I wish this didn't go that way but the offense is is largely keeping its promises without Stanton and and without uh Rizzo the pitching has fallen off an absolute cliff so if you want to tell like what panic button am I pressing am I pressing the Yankees aren't going to the playoffs no I'm not pressing that panic button 
Am I pressing the Blue Jays are about to rage back in the division and already have been? If the Blue Jays have been playing a little better, they'd probably be much closer already. The Rays, yeah. same deal. They're basically treading water. The Red Sox are somehow 17 games behind us, despite us struggling. None of that really makes sense. I'm not pressing that button yet, although I'm checking the standings and I'm fist pumping when the Blue Jays lose. I'm not pressing that button, but it, what, what's the goal here? Is the goal to slide into the playoffs? Not my goal. So in terms of we feel like we had a special season robbed from us by a midseason backslide. Yeah, I'm pressing that panic button because it's already over. It's not even a question of, of you know, do the Yankees have what it takes? Unless they, unless they absolutely turn around again. Unless we see the same pivot from untouchable to completely touchable to untouchable again. The, the, the seed of doubt has been sown enough that, like, what, what am I going to do here? You can't yeah. unring that bell. I've already seen it. No, and it goes back to that is the panic button, by the way, for all the folks out there. It's the playoffs. It's getting rid of the the you know, the narratives that have persisted. So, for example, here's a perfect way the Yankees cannot be the same old Yankees. Or here was a perfect way they could have solved that or begun to solve that is you beat Jordan Montgomery on Saturday. You just trade Jordan Montgomery. Now you have former Yankee Jordan Montgomery pitching against you in his first start since being traded against your worst starter and you put up a goose egg. That is classic modern-day Yankees to me. Yeah. Blow it Blow it against uh, you know a narrative that is clearly like is, is being served on a silver platter for all the haters to laugh at you for. That's one of them. And there's a reason. That, I mean, the, the fans have good reason to laugh at us for that. I'd be laughing at us if I were somebody else. The panic button is beating these teams in the postseason and, and, and actually having the balls to step on somebody's throat, which is what they don't have. And you've said it many times, um, you know, good teams would look at the Yankees start and they'd say, great, how can we keep fucking winning? And whatever the Yankees just did, they said, oh, we have a cushion. So now let's fuck around and do a bunch of shit that we'll maybe see if it works. And if it doesn't, then I guess we'll just see what happens. That's what's making me the angriest. It's like Brian Cashman, Brian Cashman's dream was starting this hot. So he could be like, oh my gosh, now I can clear Jordan Montgomery's salary in the middle of the year instead of after the season because we've got this big lead. We've already done all this damage. Like now I can I can tweak. I can try to solve Lou Trevino and his six and a half ERA. I can get Scott F. Ross, who's somebody I've always coveted. Like I, I can trade all my upper level pitching depth and, and mess around because um, you know, net we have this monster lead. I don't need five starters. I can wait on Luis Severino to get back in September. Meanwhile, every team, every other great champion who's ever been this good is like, wow, my record's insane. I'm going to stomp on that guest battle because I like winning games. Yeah. Uh, Ken McGraw asking how they fixed the problem areas they didn't or couldn't fix by the deadline. It, it felt like Luis Castillo was the only way for them to solve the rotation yeah. problem area. They went to the second choice citizen and he showed up yesterday unprepared and unable to execute. He had no control command, nothing. Um, again, also bad I'm not on good. the road. Terrible on the road, six ERA now on the road this season. I'm not judging him based on one start, but I am saying that there were plenty of things I wanted to see him do in his first outing. He did none of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, what are the issues that remain? Shortstop, call up Oswald Peraza. The Yankees are, have this big lead that they don't feel intent to sit on, and they obviously weren't, you know, say what you will about cash, they clearly weren't comfortable at the deadline because they made like five or six additions, uh, including the subtraction of Jordan Montgomery, which seems, you know, like a ridiculous move at this point yeah but 
He moved all these chips around. He's using the second half to experiment. He's saying we're comfortable with our lead, but he won't call up a top prospect to play shortstop, this contact hitting number nine type. I know the lineup isn't the biggest problem in the world, but you need a jump start. I mean, jump start yourself. What more does he have to prove at AAA? Yeah, I think. And I don't really know what other issues that, like, other than that, the issues that they haven't solved are basically, like, get a get a true ace. Like, yeah. get someone who breathes fire instead of somebody who's got a 60 RA on the road. And there was probably only one of those guys available in Luis Castillo who we were a bit nervous about it. Like, maybe there were zero of those guys available. Yeah. Again, led the league in walks last year. Led the league in losses last year. Like, I love Castillo. He was the best option on the market. He's not Justin Verlander. He's not Max Scherzer. So these are issues that they can't even really correct midstream because you just had to do it earlier in the in the offseason. Or you just deepen your rotation with a guy like Montas and keep Jordan Montgomery. We that's what we thought the plan was. We thought the plan was oh, add a guy who's probably a number three, who's gonna make who's gonna deepen the rotation allow guys to rest, allow people to preserve innings, and give you quality starts for playoff games one through four, which is what this team has lacked for a very long time now. And now they still might get that, but you have another side of the coin where they're relying on the health of Luis Severino, which has been completely unpredictable for four years now. Um, And you're relying on a bullpen to be well-rested when you did not fortify the bullpen. You just added what needed to be added. So I really don't know. I think the, I don't even do I, and look, you could have traded Glaber Torres and Aaron Hicks at the deadline for more pitching and payroll flexibility. Mm-hmm. Apparently that was part of the plan. It didn't get done. That would have allowed Isaiah Connor for to shift into more Isaiah Connor for should be in DJ LeMay Hughes utility role, essentially. Um, uh, Glaber should be it's or, and in the event you trade Glaber to free that up, you either call up Tyler Wade or Peraza to play shortstop. You put DJ LeMahieu at second. You have Rizzo at first. And then you have a revolving door of Donaldson and ICAF playing third. And then if you need to move DJ to first, ICAF plays second. Whatever the hell you want to do. I don't know. But they now don't really have that flexibility because they're seemingly stuck with ICAF at shortstop because the front office believes in him. And um, they love it. They love it. That was another thing. Like, did we think ICAF was a stopgap because somebody actually said that this offseason or do we think he's a stopgap because we wanted him to be because they've shown no intention of moving off him and they have an option to call somebody up like what was it ikf until the prospects are ready one of the prospects is ready but they don't think he is so either either we're bad armchair gms and we don't know we're not in the weeds with oswald peraza or they love what isaiah kind of is giving them and this was the goal all along they seem to love him Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 
Booked.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Look, people who would look at AAA stats, you're going to sit there and tell me that Oswald Peraz's 775 OPS is is what you want? Like, I don't know. I'm just asking. I would like, I love to see prospects come up, especially when you have a cushion. I have no problem with it, but the roars to have a guy like Oswald Peraza come up as if he's going to be a savior or like you think he's going to move the needle that much more than IKF. I get IKF is frustrating, but... Um, he does have good range outside of, you know, making some routine errors, which are very frustrating. Um, and he gets hits. He just bats 270. So he gets singles. I understand the contact yeah. isn't the hardest and he's not hitting home runs. But once again, you don't need hard contact and home runs in a lineup that's already littered with all of that. So I'm still never going to understand the IKF argument. I'm really not. Then again, I am not opposed to having Oswald Peraza come up and log some reps and see what he could do. I don't know why the Yankees are hesitant on that front, especially if they didn't trade him. We still can't believe that that wasn't one of the top prospects dealt before the deadline. You have a surplus of shortstops. One of the guys is knocking at the door at AAA. Doesn't seem like he's the number one solution and priority for what the Yankees are trying to do. Easy person to trade in a deal that requires two, three, four prospects that need to be moved. Um so I don't know. And apparently there were other deadline plans that reportedly are floating out there. The Yankees tried to get rid of Donaldson, Hicks, and Glaber. They didn't try. I don't, I don't know if they tried to get rid of Glaber. They were listening on Glaber. Yeah, he was um, involved. Yeah, they tried to get rid of Donaldson, who why wouldn't you at this point, even though he hit the ball pretty well this weekend. Um, and they tried to get rid of Hicks, which obviously big mistake not getting rid of Hicks. You had the sandwich of his season first. 45 games were miserable. Next 35 games were amazing. Now next 15 are awful. You had the window to trade him in the midst of that 35 game stretch where he was, he, you know, however, all the Yankee fans are splicing these stats up to make themselves feel good. Aaron Hicks was an above average player for 35 games. That's great guys. Yeah, which, uh, which 35, yeah. which 35. Yeah. Seasons uh, five times as long as that. So like, I don't care if Aaron Hicks is good for 35 games. Um, his meter for being criticized has run out, unfortunately, after that Astros home run. Sorry to say, um, Aaron Hicks bandwagon will not live on. Um, but big mistake there, not trading Aaron Hicks. I understand that there was a problem with the Marlins, and maybe that deal got the you Cashman got the rug pulled out from under on that deal. But if you had the opportunity to even eat some of that salary, get rid of him, revamp the outfield a little bit, that's a massive advantage. Look, I saw Tim LaCastro play center field this weekend 
I am fine with him out there. Hmm. Did I need Harrison Bader and the 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 imaginary uh, the imaginary production he might bring if he's out of a walking boot by middle of September? No, I would have been fine with Tim Lacastro and his speed covering a lot of ground out there. <laughs> like that's totally fine. I don't I don't see the problem with Aaron Judge playing center field either. We so put like, Ben Rortfett in center. Ben, ben Rortfett and Harrison Bader walking out of the fucking field of dreams this yeah. week. <laughs> two two dead guys wandering out of the cornfield. They're just not. They don't exist as far as no. I'm concerned. Yeah. No. It's it, and that's the other thing. It's like I don't know where, I don't know where the Yankees are upgrading. I don't know why they're up. Why they upgraded in the manner that they did. I don't know why they thought upgrading in one area was enough that they could subtract from it. Um, I don't know why they thought that Lou Trevino and Scott Efros were the equivalent of Michael King and a floundering Jonathan Luizaga or, you know, what you had, ex- what you had hoped to get from Jonathan Luizaga from this year, uh, from last year into this year. So the fortifications were not good. Um, the moves from the, the lack, the lack of moves from previous off seasons put them in this position to lead there. And now they're not making aggressive moves in terms of in-house personnel. No reason that Ron Marinaccio should get optioned, in my opinion. I don't understand why that happens. No reason Oswald Peraza shouldn't have, you know, there shouldn't be at least rumblings that he might be coming up. Um, And uh, who's that other reliever at AAA, Greg? Weiser. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Weiser, like no reason why he shouldn't have been called up to get an inning or a few here. Um, If we can keep making room for Ryan Weber on the roster, we could make room for Greg Weiser too. Yeah, and the but and this is part of the roster debate. We're you know we're gonna flip flop between all these subjects here because it's it's a little bit messy. But I don't you know I don't really have a clue in terms of what's going on. I don't know why they like I said I don't know why they thought Andrew Benintendi fit into these plans. I really don't. I'm still gonna I'm gonna criticize that even even when he's playing well because I don't think it's gonna be good enough. Um, and again, Stanton returning could change all of this in a second. But I do, I think these are pedestrian. Um, trade acquisitions that the Yankees kind of needed to make to get rid of this upper level talent because they had a deep farm system and other guys are going to make the leap. And then you get rid of some 40 man guys that you have to protect in the off season. So I have no answer. It's more confusing than not. And I don't see a vision here. I know this is kind of an unhinged podcast, but it just like, this is a, this is a reactionary week, right? Get it all out. It's not just a bad week though. We all know that it's, it's a bad stretch. It's a it's a nine and sixteen stretch, and it appeared the Yankees were turning the corner, winning four out of five against the Royals and Mariners, winning a Domingo Herman start, and winning the trade deadline, bringing in Montas, bringing in Efros, bringing in Trevino, bringing in Benintendi. Then they fumbled a bag at the eleventh hour, and have not won a game since then, leading to every online genius saying, "Oh, the Joey Gallo curse." Uh, oh, every, it just it's so fun how this works out for people who hate us and not for us. Because they get to say the Yankees are 0-5 without Joey Gallo and the Dodgers are 6-0 with Joey Gallo. But imagine if the Yankees had kept Joey Gallo. Imagine what you'd be saying then. You'd be saying, how stupid are the Yankees? They get to keep Joey Gallo. Our haters eating delicious soup uh, get to hate us for the week, regardless of the decision that the front office made. Um, And they get to do that because Jordan Montgomery, don't trade him now. The Yankees bungled the execution here, but he hasn't been a good pitcher for months now. Of course, he throws five shutout innings against us. Montas wouldn't have been my preferred acquisition, but easily second place behind Castillo of the names that were available. His first start somehow ends up on 11 days rest after coming off the bereavement list and he gets rocked. Where is the success? 
Scott Efros was good in his first two innings. He gives up the three-run homer yesterday. Where is the success? It just feels like they continue to press buttons and come up red. Gallo at last year's deadline. Eh. Anthony Rizzo last year eh, immediately gets COVID. You celebrate swiping him from the Red Sox for three and a half days. And then he receives the novel coronavirus and he comes back and he's not quite as good. Uh, Just give me a trade acquisition. Give me a signing. Somebody who is able to consistently perform for the full year or somebody who isn't able to throw it right back in our faces. How do you trade Jordan Montgomery to the team we're about to play? How do you do that? It's the Cardinals. We never play them. And yet Jordan Montgomery (laughs) is on the St. Louis Cardinals roster. Um, yeah, I can't say the Yankees would be 5-0 and with Joey Gallo. I guess he's 2-10 and with six strikeouts since going to L.A. with two opposite field singles. Yeah. And yet again, so you are right. I mean, he did just as much as Benintendi. Two opposite field singles. That's just as much as what Andrew Benintendi did. We've been saying for so many months how it couldn't get worse than Gallo. It's currently just as bad. So that's great. Again, just another thing. Like, if any other team had traded Joey Gallo away, people would have ignored it for the rest. People would have never paid attention to ever again. But, of course, the team he went to just happens to be the most stacked team in Major League Baseball. And the team he left just happens to be spiraling at the moment. It is it is like giving a, a rotting corpse a giant head start. It's like, how much is it going to decompose by the time October rolls around? But you're not going to catch me fist pumping if we get to the playoffs and the Yankees have won the division by two and a half games. I'm no. like, see... I told you so. I knew we were going to hold on. What good does that do me? So the Marinaccio thing, while we're, while we're whining and complaining about the team, you know, somehow pressing the button that seems right, but it doesn't turn out right. Somehow getting rid of somebody who hasn't performed for two months, and then there they go. They're performing in their new home. Optioning Marinaccio makes literally no sense. Literally no sense. And you can talk to me all you want about the logistics of the move. Oh, don't! Oh, Thomas, did, did you know he had minor league options? Did you know that? Did you know that Marinaccio was he had minor league options? That's why we sent him down. Did you know that? Yeah, no, I knew that. I know why he was demoted. I'm well aware. I also know that this team needs bullpen help. Last 17 and a third innings for Marinaccio: three hits, one run, nine walks, 18 Ks. Last eight and a third, just that one earned run, three walks, nine strikeouts. Got an 086 whip in his last 30 games. This season, in the 23 games he's posted this season, he's got an 086 whip. 086! But unfortunately, we had to demote him because he had minor league options. Can't possibly demote the long man Lucas Litke and lose him to a DFA, right? Can't possibly do that. Because the Yankees can't possibly risk a a potential DFA of somebody who's got a 1.25 whip this year. Uh, and has been allowing inherited runners pretty constantly. Uh, sure, he, his numbers overall in the season are, are, are pretty solid. You don't want to just throw an arm into a trash can if you don't have to. But you do that if that's what it takes to keep Marinaccio in the, on the big league team. Not to mention Clark Schmidt, who's also a AAA, being stretched out to be a starter. But we need starters now. So where is he? How long does that take? And even if we're, you know, just call him a piggyback Herman right now. It's really not that hard. Uh, but as if that weren't, as if it were really a decision between DFAing Litke and, and keeping Marinaccio, it, it, that's somewhat of a tough decision. You DFA Litke, you're going to lose him, right? I, I hear you on that, Yankees. Uh, even though other teams are perfectly willing to DFA people who can't get the job done, Fran Mill Reyes hit 30 homers last year. Guardians DFA'd him over the weekend. Goodbye. 
goodbye. They said, oh, it's a tough roster crunch. We don't really want to lose this guy who had 30 homer power last year. They just go, we're going to lose him. He's, he's been bad this year. And that's how that's the best case scenario for us. We're going to get rid of him. Jake McGee just got DFA. Denelson Lamette got traded for and then DFA. People get DFA sometimes, but ignoring the DFA for a second, you know who else has a minor league option remaining? Jonathan Luizaga and his 6.66 ERA and his 1.56 whip and his 13 walks in his last 24 and a third innings pitch. He's been <laughs> awful this season and he came in and walked the house on Sunday in a game where the home plate umpire was giving uh, strikes a foot and a half off the plate all game long. Then Loisica came in and he's like, I can't help this guy. He's not even close. Even I can't help this guy. Jonathan Loisica has been one of the worst pieces in the Yankees bullpen this year. When healthy, when not healthy, he's been absent. He hasn't looked anything like himself. He was supposed to be the closer of the future, the eighth inning linchpin. He's been dreadful. And he's got a minor league option, so you can send him down to AAA so he can figure it the fuck out instead of getting rid of Ron Marinaccio, one of the very few people who actually functions at this moment. Let alone, like, Schmidt's down there. That's already bad enough. Now Marinaccio's down there, and Loazga's still up here. Make it make sense. Yeah, I get maybe, I get wanting to use Loazga a little bit more at the major league level, but how much more, like we said, how much longer are you going to allow this to happen? How much yeah. more time are you going to give Jonathan Loazga and Aroldis Chapman to get back in a groove? You can't option Chapman, and you also no. didn't trade Chapman. So maybe that was another deadline miss, even though he's looked pretty good for, you know, the last week or so. Um, not great, just not absolutely disastrous. Oh, and um, by the way, if Clay Holmes had not blown the first game of this series and it had gone to the ninth at 3-2, it would have been a Chapman save opportunity, said Aaron Boone. So don't count your chickens again on Clay Holmes' case because he might have saved us. At least he did the damage in the bottom of the eighth. Yeah. It, it, it would have occurred in the ninth if he had gotten <laughs> out of that inning. <laughs> So they, I mean, the, the roster problems have been there and the main, main ones weren't solved. And that's, I think, where the frustration is coming from because they're not getting the contributions that they were expecting from a few guys last year. They haven't been getting the rebounds they were expecting from a few guys. Um, and then you see Marinaccio go down and that's just like, you're making a move that's actively making us worse. And they, we have a stretch against a lot of good opponents over the next two and a half weeks. So why are we doing this? Um, and you look at Marinaccio's numbers overall, and he's barely halfway at his innings count from last year. So this isn't even a thing to be like, let's get him down to the minors. We'll have him chill out, throw a couple innings here and there. Less uh, won't be as high leverage. And he'll be able to kind of, you know, hang out, chill, get back on track, rest up. That's not even it. He's already on he's on the trajectory to end where he ended last year. So there is he's not over, he's not overworked. He's not there is there is nothing here unless unless the shoulder is barking that we don't know about because that was the previous injury he had. There is nothing here that we need to further do forensics on. It's just the Yankees someone having an option, the Yankees using that option for whatever reason they think makes sense and it doesn't make sense because the team is not better without him. Um, I understand Domingo Herman has tossed a couple of solid outings in his last two, um, but this is just the guy that doesn't need to be here because you know what's eventually going to happen when the Yankees need to win a game and he's on the mound. Um, it's just not going to result in a win. Um, and the fact that um, it, it was a little bit of bad luck with the deadline too because you have Montas who was coming off a long layoff 
was I expecting him to go six shutout yesterday? No, I wasn't really expecting a blow up, but you know, you have the layoff, you're on a pitch count. It's a little bit of a different story. Um, and then Benintendi is probably going to need a little bit of time to settle because of the high expectations. Um, and because of the change of scenery, um, I know he went from Boston, which was high leverage, but Boston hadn't been playing high leverage baseball since 2018. So essentially he's been out of a major spotlight since the end of the 2018 season. Um, and now he's he great, kinda, great in 2018 though. Like, he was great. What, but I keep he coming back to. I think that that might have an effect on a player though. If you've played largely meaningless baseball for over three years, three and a half years, he's been playing meaningless baseball. The Red Sox were pretty much dead to rights. Most of 2019 with that roster wildly underachieving and they're not just not being able to win at the right time. 2020 was bad for everybody's health. Um, 2021 he's on the Royals who aren't doing anything. And then the first half of this year, he's on the Royals who were actually worse than they were believed to have been when they opened the season. Um, so there is, I think an element of bad luck adjustment period injuries happening at the worst time. Um, but again, look at all the contenders around major league baseball. Look at them, name them for me. Who has undergone a stretch of baseball like this, where you're questioning one of the best starts in franchise history. Now we are actually questioning one of the best starts in franchise history because of the slide that we've seen over the last six weeks that has resulted in below 500 baseball. So if you truly are a contender contender and you really are um, this behemoth that has been constructed, ready to take on any competition placed in front of you, you don't really have a stretch like this. And I know it's partially regression because the Yankees were never going to maintain a 49 and 16 pace or whatever the hell it was. They went, they went 41 and 10 in 51 games. It was absolutely ridiculous. But then again, is the regression to the mean then being below 500 for a uh, 25% of the season? I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm crazy and I'm not looking at the baseball calendar um, as thoroughly as I should. Um, but with the players on this team, with the names on this team, even with the injuries that they have, there is no reason to log this many embarrassing blown losses that we've seen. Um, what was the math you did? They're nine and 16 over the last 25. I can pull it up. I'm not happy. Pull it up in the notes. Adam, Adam has a nice, healthy notes app, uh, and he just documents every shitty Yankees loss in history. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? 
outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I'm not happy. And this was also, I, I mathed this out before uh saturday and sunday so like i don't know what you guys would call those obviously saturday was just probably the dullest game of the year like yeah and you and i were all geared up to be like oh so we got walked off basically and i mean not really but paul de young beat us in the bottom of the eighth on friday and then we got domingo on saturday so that's two straight losses let's see what happens on sunday and then of course domingo is okay they lose that game because aaron hicks bobbles a single in the left and they lose one nothing, and nothing happens after the first inning. They don't even come close. So whatever, what kind of loss you guys would categorize that as, I don't know. Uh, but add another three-run blown lead in, because they were up 4-1 on yep. Sunday in, in the Montas game. So I would call that a gut stab. This was my gut stab ratio counter, uh, and it was done prior to Saturday. So let's add another one. Because uh, the three-run blown leads count, because I counted three-run blown leads uh, to Baltimore and Boston in my gut stab counter. So that would be 12 of 25. So there's now a – if you've watched the last 25 Yankee games, there's a 48% chance you're about to watch a gut stab. If those <laughs> Yankees have a save opportunity in the eighth or ninth, they've blown four of five. So there's an 80% chance you're about to watch a loss if the Yankees hold a slim lead – in the late innings. That's not good. And so the last 25 Yankee games now include walk-off losses to Boston, Houston, and the Mets, blown eighth or ninth inning leads to Cincinnati, St. Louis, and Kansas City. Obviously, the blown eighth or ninth and tenth inning lead to Boston is included in that walk-off loss section. I don't want to double count it. So the blown eighth or ninth inning leads, obviously, homes against St. Louis the other day, Salvador Perez, the home run off Holmes as well. And Holmes' complete meltdown against Cincinnati with a 3 nothing lead. I still think the worst loss I've ever seen in terms of just individual jaw-dropping games. I think that's worse than Chapman's Jared Walsh game. We could debate that till the cows come home. I don't really want to say which of those hurt more. Both bad. That's probably enough. Both, both bad. Yeah. Bad games. Uh, so walk-off losses to the Sox, Houston and the Mets. Blown eighth or ninth leads to Cincinnati, St. Louis, KC. Three-run leads blown to Baltimore. Garrett Cole on the mound. Boston, the Tyone game, and St. Louis yesterday. So that joins. That's now nine games. And extra innings home losses to the Red Sox and Cincinnati. Don't forget the games with the winning run on third and the ninth and tenth where the Yankees couldn't come through. And ultimately, Michael King threw a wild pitch to lose the opener of the home series Red Sox a couple weeks ago. In Cincinnati, we somehow lost like 7-6 in the Luis Castillo game where Glaber hit a home run and fought back. Plus, the Seattle game 
where we were down 6-3, tied it at 6-6, then a bullpen meltdown brought us to 8-6. We ultimately lost that game. I didn't even count that. (laughs) That's not even... I guess that's part of it. I didn't have a fun time there. So I'll call that a gut stab, right? The letdown, the the air being let out of the balloon. So yeah, 48% of the time, if you've watched the Yankees since July 9th, you're not just in for a loss. You're in for a terrible loss. Yeah. And my, and now I am more concerned about this team bottoming out. And I just added this in because I wanted to talk about it. Yeah. Um, It's the optics of the post deadline. Um, the the vibes overall, the direction of what the franchise is doing. Um, and it brings into question Aaron Judge's free agency. This is a guy who said he wanted to be a Yankee for life. They couldn't get a contract done before the season, whether it was his fault or whether it was the front office's fault. Um, this is a guy who claimed he wanted to be a Yankee for life, even though this team has fallen embarrassingly short during his time here even though one could argue Brian Cashman has not made the proper reinforcements and additions that this roster has needed with Aaron judge on it during his tenure here, still expressing a desire to stay here. Um, Is that an Aaron judge money play because he knows the Yankees have the most money and can probably give him the most money. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not going to rule anything out. I'm also not going to accuse him of that because that sounds insane, Um, but it could be, it could be the case. Now you look at the Yankee stretch, you look at the post deadline, it's obviously not enough. We all know that. Um, and again, this would have been viewed through an entirely different lens if maybe one more reliever was acquired and Jordan Montgomery was never dealt. So that's what that's what doing what you did at the buzzer um, and how that can change the entire... <laughs> the Yankees are 6-11 and 11 since the captain premiered on ESPN. All-star oh, great, great, great timing, ESPN. I love that. Um, So, yeah, then you look at Judge here, though, and what is he watching unfold? He's watching himself carry the roster offensively, and I know a lot of other guys are performing. DJ LeMahieu playing out of his mind. Um, uh, Matt Carpenter still hitting the ball fairly well. Josh Donaldson has awakened a little bit, but not entirely. Um, But there are guys here playing solid baseball. It's just not all coming together. However, you look at Aaron Judge, And what inclination now does he have to stay if the Yankees fall short? And that's what I want somebody to answer for me. Because if it's money and he thinks the Yankees are going to offer him the most money, then that's great. He wants to stay here for the money. Okay, cool. But even then, if you want to win and you're Aaron Judge, do you think the Yankees have the formula to maximize your prime and tenure here in New York? I don't know what reason he would have to view this as favorable if, again, if the Yankees fall short. Um, I am not a fan of any of the other 29 MLB teams, but like I said earlier, I do not know of any legitimate contender who has believed to be one of the two or three favorites in their respective leagues to undergo these types of stretches that the Yankees have undergone for the past now three years. It's embarrassing um, the, the, it, it, from, from top to bottom, from playing on the field to having to answer questions about it to just merely being caught by the camera in the dugout and you having a dejected look on your face. It could range from anybody on the team. So I don't know what inclination now Aaron Judge would have if this pattern of losing and pattern of you know low energy games or a pattern of um, 
all this, all the proper areas of the roster coming together to make these win streaks possible. If all this persists longer than it should, then he's got to be rethinking his free agency. I don't understand why he would want to remain here if they're not aggressive enough to get him the pieces that he needs to be further supported. I don't think the 2022 Yankees should be in a position that they are in right now. Maybe that's because I have high expectations. I don't know. But to me, 21 and 23 over the last six or so weeks and losing in the manner in which you have for, like you said, 48% of the games over the last month, like that's not a championship winning team. And when the stakes get higher in October or even in mid to late September, when maybe this division race heats up, there is no, you can't be doing that. There is no doing that. There is a very slim margin for error. And whether you think it's realistic to sustain that kind of success in those high leverage moments or not, that's your opinion. But the Dodgers don't do that. Look at the Dodgers right now. They have a 15 and a half game lead over the division. They have managed to take care of business against the Giants and the Padres, despite the Giants hybrid buying and selling at the deadline, keeping their best players and the Padres adding four all-stars essentially. Yeah. So don't tell me that other teams, you know, aren't capable of sustaining this level of dominance. We've watched the Yankees do it. And now we're watching other, you know, other teams across the league do it. Um, the Houston Astros are doing it. I know that they have, they faltered a little bit against the guardians, but they're also dealing with some injuries. They also, you know, still have the same amount of wins as the Yankees. Um, so I don't know, again, I don't know what inclination Aaron judge has to stay here. If these optics persist, they're bad optics They're It's just not good. And the person and the human element of it is the biggest thing. Yankees blindside Jordan Montgomery with a trade. His, uh, fiance was here doing medical school. Now she has to move to St. Louis. Can't complete medical school. It was a whole thing on social media this weekend. We saw it. The Yankees not possessing that human element to the point where they're like, Hey, you know what? We'll trade one of our homegrown prospects at minute at you know minute fifty nine, right before the deadline's about to end, while his best friend is in the bullpen getting ready to start. And then exactly. after the game, that guy's like, "I was actually pretty bad today. I was thinking about how they took my friend off the team at the buzzer." Oh yeah, yeah. I would be too. I just don't. I have no idea why Aaron Judge would think. And maybe Aaron Judge is just a businessman. He's like, I don't care if they have the human fucking element. They're going to pay me my money. It does. But either way, if Aaron Judge is serious about winning and or values the human element, this is bad if it goes on any longer than if this two week stretch is going, I think, to kind of tell the story that that's my opinion. The Jordan Montgomery thing made me very concerned, not just for like an incumbent free agent like Judge, who obviously knows what this organization is about by now. And if he likes it and they offer him the most money, he'll stay. And if he doesn't like it or they underpay him or undervalue him, then he'll leave. But for somebody coming in, how do you feel if you're if you're somebody who's entertaining free agency at the deadline? Chris Bassett of the Mets be a great three starter for the Yankees this offseason. He's looking at they just traded Jordan Montgomery in the middle of the season. They're home. They would do that to homegrown talent. Then what would they do to me? My costs rise. What are they going to do to me? Why would I join a family like that? If he asked Jamison Tyone. How do you feel about how the Yankees treated you? What's he get, What's he going to say? Is he going to have a positive report right now? Matt Blake, genius. They got me on track. Then I started struggling. They couldn't really figure me out. And then, oh, yeah, they traded my best friend with no warning. Like, who's going to give a positive glass door review to the Yankees right now? Honest question. Free agency is going to be really important this year. They are losing. You thought they had a rotation issue in the middle of this season. 
They traded Wesneski, traded Waldachuk, Dave Garcia is useless, Luis Heel's getting Tommy John. So they've got Clark Schmidt at the upper levels, basically. And they're losing, I mean, Montgomery was already a candidate to be gone. He's out. They're losing Tyone. They're not going to extend him. Uh, they have Montas for another year. So Cole, Montas, Severino, maybe, although his option might get declined. I think we don't know will. if he's coming back next year. Nestor Cortez, they've an incomplete rotation. Clark Schmidt clearly has the leg up, but there's not a lot of depth there. They're going to have to bring in one to two names in free agency or trade. Trade, you don't have any say over where you go. Free agency, you dictate your own path. There are no aces on the market this offseason, so it's the Bassett. And honestly, Tyone types, uh, it's already going to be a difficult sledding for these number three starter types that everybody wants. Maybe the culture shock would make the difference. And the Yankees are already not the most popular franchise in the world. Paul DeYoung tweeted in 2011, I hate the Yankees. It was recirculating this week uh, with good reason because he kicked our ass. But some players just don't like the Yankees. Some players want to keep their facial hair and, and hair on their head. Some players grew up as fans of opposing teams. It's hard to get rid of that proclivity. And if you've been in the major leagues for a long time, you've gotten up to play the Yankees takes a special breed of person to want that already the to the talent pool is quite low for people that can handle new york want to embrace that challenge and want to help the yankees win and get back to a role of villainy already you're talking about a low number of people then bake in who they can afford then bake in who from that pool has positive feelings after this year's trade deadline i think it's going to be a very small number so not just aaron judge but future free agents are going to judge this team for what they just did yeah I, it, it sums it up perfectly. I don't, I don't, I don't doubt any of that. And I think it also plays a role in previous years. I think the Yankees have kind of acted in this same manner over the last, you know, maybe seven years. And that's why a ton of free agents haven't really wanted to come here. You had to outbid, you had to outbid yourself by 80 million to get Garrett Cole to Garrett Cole to come here. You know, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's stuff like that. That's, that, that's just beyond infuriating. Um, so yeah, I mean, I got nothing else, dude. This is just in frustrating bullshit. Um, and this is it for the next two weeks. You have Mariners playoff contender. They just punked your ass at home. You're now on the road there where you have success. You need to we're win. We're getting, we're getting a Cole Castillo again, though. The second game of yep. the series. So buckle yeah. up and Cole better figure it out because I don't know. I, there is nothing. There is Garrett Cole, just just go seven shutout innings because I, I don't remember the last time I saw that line from him. Pull up his baseball. Clemens, yeah, Roger pull, Clemens it. Go pull, go to Seattle and go shutty. Pull up his baseball reference and let me know if when Happy the last to. time he's fucking done that because I have no idea. You're in Seattle, three games, win the fucking series. Then you go to Fenway. It's been a goddamn nightmare to go to Fenway, but the Red Sox are bottoming out. Jaron Duran is crying because Kansas City fans mm-hmm. are making fun of him and doing the little flicky bottle cap at him. Jaron Duran says they're throwing bottle caps at him. I haven't been to a baseball game where they've let me keep a bottle cap in 10 years. <laughs> and also, what's a bottle cap? Like, are you talking 1980s? Like the hard metal from the top of a Budweiser? Or are you talking about the little twist off, like the things you can bend? Because you can't even throw those. What, what are you attaching Crazy. rocks to them to get them to float all the way to Duran? If a, if what I'm thinking of hit Duran in the back, it feels like a a fairy flicking you, like Tinkerbell landing on your shoulder. Yeah. Weak-minded man, nonetheless, you lose what they get outscored. 
29 to 19 against the Royals over this four game set. They lost three out of four. Um, their first, their only series win, I think, since the beginning of July is the Astros. I don't know how they did that. That was right out of the break. Or right that was after very the helpful. Yeah, it yeah, was very was helpful very and very helpful. nice. But you come back, you follow that up with a dud against the Royals. Then you get that. So you ha- and and guess what? The Red Sox are hosting the Braves for two after the Braves just got bitch slapped by the Mets. So the Braves are going to be very unhappy going into Fenway. Um, so hopefully you get them still on their heels while you're looking to recover a little bit. You get the day off on the Thursday, figure your shit out before you go to Fenway on Friday night. Then you come back to Yankee stadium. After that weekend series, you got the Rays for three games. You got the Jays for four, and then you got the Mets for two before you head out on a West coast road trip. This is it. You have until August 23rd to figure this out. It's really not that crazy. It's not asking a lot. The Jays are the Jays. They're a good team, but they have shown many a flaw this year. The Rays are not the same team as they were. They're very much up and down, very much more unpredictable, not nearly as dominant and scary and consistent as they were the the previous two years. And, you know, you want to you wanna send a statement? Beat the fucking Mets. Mets fans have been shit-talking the Yankees ever since they left City Field. All we're doing now on social media is fending off memes of Edwin Diaz being cooler than Clay Holmes, which I don't know what the point of that is. The Mets bragging they have a better closer, which is cool. Enjoy your closer. Very fucking cool entrance for Edwin Diaz. It's it's awesome. I would love to be at City Field when he when he comes out to that. But I don't care. I'm not concerned with... I'm not concerned with making Aaron Judge Pete Alonso comparisons. I don't know why Mets fans love to do this, but hey, you want to shut up Mets fans? Win two at Yankee Stadium. Split the season series. No one has the heads up. You gain two games. Everything's good. So it's all right here for you to prove it, Yankees. Once again, a couple of narratives you could dispel about you choking, falling short, getting punked by your opponents. It's all right here. You got a big stretch to kind of, you know, we were we were praising them in May for uh I think going nine and two in that stretch against the Rays, Jays, and Red Sox, or what was it, eight and three, nine and two, something good, really good. Mm-hmm. Opportunity to do it one more time. And now this time you can give yourself enough cushion to weather a storm in September and not have to deal with the criticism that's resulting and compounding from this this last six weeks of play. Figure it out, please. Yeah, if you go seven three against the Rays, Jays, and Red Sox, it it it's over. I mean, that that that'll do it. Right. Like if you tread water, if you go five and five, like you'll probably be in decent shape. Just make a statement. Don't fall on your faces. Don't get swept by anybody. Is that too much to ask? Maybe. I mean, this Cardinals series felt so strange (laughs) because the Cardinals are an arrival. Like I've never, the Yankees ever play the Cardinals. So to even put it in, like, I can't be like, oh, we always go to Bush Stadium and get our ass kicked. It's just like, I don't even know what that was, but it's probably the worst weekend series against a non-rival opponent I've ever seen. I was having this internal debate with myself and nobody else over the weekend because that's where I was at that point in time. Right before the 09 All-Star break, they went to the Angels and blew four nothing leads in the first two games and lost and then left a million guys on base in the finale and lost like 3-2. I remember being really annoyed by that. But like uh, uh, other than like Red Sox, Rays, Astros, Blue Jays, Orioles, Mets. I can't think of a more frustrating weekend series than what they just experienced. Uh, now, this could all feel like a drop in the bucket, right? We could all look back on this in three weeks and have a nice laugh. Everybody's favorite postseason heroes, the the 2017 
you know, 2017 Yankees, everybody loves them. They went through a stretch in like June where they were seven and 17 or even worse than it's like seven and 21. They were just losing constantly and they rebounded and gave you a bunch of postseason moments that you never thought you'd see coming. So you never know. It's not over. Uh, Garrett Cole, uh, just so we're all on the same page, went seven shutty last year, four times, uh, did it to the Orioles in his second start, uh, did it to the White Sox in the middle of May, uh, got through eight, uh, nine shutout in that Houston game that everybody remembers, obviously. Um, I had another, oh yeah, eight uh, innings against the Rays and a one nothing win, four hits, 12 strikeouts. He did it four times last year. This year he's done it once. Thomas, when do you think he did it? Mm. He did it against... Mm. Shit, come on. Did he do it against the Rays? No, super recent and not a pleasant memory. Oh, uh, was it the O's? July 12th, Cincinnati. Shut him out for seven innings. Mike King got the eighth. Clay Holmes immediately loaded the bases and blew the save in the ninth. That's right. Uh, the worst The worst game of the year was Garrett Cole's seven shutout innings. Would love that again in Seattle, but maybe let's tack on two additional innings to it. Uh, Ken, with the thesis statement, do you feel the team is let down after the deadline? Yes. Yes. <laughs> in conclusion, no. yes, I do. Uh, yeah, two more weeks. Prove it to us. Prove it to us that you still got it. That's all we ask. Because right now, uh, the team is what they are. The team is nine and sixteen. The team is below five hundred. The team is six and eleven since the break and since the captain premiered. So, seventeen thirty nine in the long haul, not bad. If this team lets the division get closer, if this team loses the division series, ninety five style. Turn the shortstop job over to the rookie. No more GM. No more manager. Will they do it? No chance. That's it <laughs> for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Drop us a five-star review and a mailbag question. We will answer it. Ooh. Not even going to say more than happy. We will not be. This is the worst I've felt doing a podcast other than seasons over in the postseason podcasts. Because, I mean, bottom line, I just we, we wanted a special season, right? 2018 Red Sox got one. 2017 Astros got one. Sometimes it doesn't look the way you think it will midseason. The Braves obviously won the title last year. We're a little over 500 at this point in time. Sometimes you don't know from opening date till the end of the season. Sometimes you do. 2018 Red Sox, you did. This year's Yankees, they're 52 and 18. They're 61 and 23. They're 15 and a half games up on everybody in the division. You did. You knew. It was a special season. This had to be the season. Now, good team. Good team. Top, top six team in baseball, missing key pieces, doesn't feel special anymore. If you want to talk to me about it, rational or irrational thoughts, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? At Tommy's underscore takes. You can also find us at Yanks Go Yard FS, official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account. Good place, fun place. Uh, you can go read our work at yanksgoyard.com. Plenty of content there for you. Um, guys, kicking off. Three game set, Mariners, Jameson Tyone, Logan Gilbert. That is tonight. Um, Yankees get no break after what they've just been dealing with um, over this last week. So, got to get it into high gear tonight. Cole's got to beat Castillo. And then you get a nice day off on Thursday. And then it's Fenway Park. We'll be talking to you on Thursday after this series is over. We'll preview the Red Sox. And until then, enjoy the rest of your week, folks. Please enjoy the rest of your week. (laughs) 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.